The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Hi. Thank you for visiting us today, for giving us of your good time, and for your interest in the visual workplace, which is what our show is about. <clears throat> the name of our show, excuse me, I need to cough. <coughs> I beg your pardon, I got something caught in my throat. The name of our show is The Visual Workplace. I am Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host. We have this show weekly, and it is about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look to study, to consider, to contemplate some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. Why? So we can work with focus, precision, high safety, with pace, so our company can make a good profit profit margin, increasingly good profit margins, and so we can enjoy ourselves along the way, so we can enjoy ourselves at work. How wonderful. And this applies to every work setting. Every work setting that requires information, which is a form of intelligence, to make it go, and what work setting does not. We want to embed that intelligence Yes, some of our visual devices will be simply telling us what to do. They're called visual indicators for power levels. That's the lowest level of power. No power whatsoever. It's just telling us. Some of the devices will first grab our attention and then deliver a message. They're called visual signals, and they're characterized by sound, by flashing light, by something kinetic, something dynamic that gets our attention, and then when our attention is grabbed, the message is delivered, right? That's the famous uh, example of gas, colorless, odorless, invisible, comes into our homes. We cook a great meal, but the next morning the family doesn't wake up because the gas was left on and the gas did not contain a message, even though it was dangerous, it did not contain a message. And our civil fathers thought that we would have the good sense to turn off the gas, since gas, in, when inhaled consistently, is fatal. But we didn't have the good sense. We forgot. And then we forgot that we forgot. We got further and further away from the act of turning off the gas. And families died. This happened a lot. Over the first few years of gas coming into our homes, a great benefit, but with it a great tragedy. And so someone decided they were going to put a message in the bottle, a message in the gas. 
and they put a stinky smell, the smell of sulfur. So there you are, you're in bed with your honey, and you go, honey, is that you, or did you forget to turn off the gas, right? The message has been delivered. Oh, my gosh, I forgot the gas. And another family is saved. This is the essence of visual information sharing. It is not something that you need to remember. It is information that is immediate at the point of use, when and as you need it, there to influence, limit, or even govern, prohibit your behavior. So a visual indicator just tells you to turn off the gas. But as soon as we put the stinky smell into the gas, we got something very close to a visual guarantee or a pokey oak. It became irresistible. We are going to make that smell go away. Beautiful sensory information sharing, which is what the visual workplace is about. It is about putting sensory anchors throughout the landscape of work in order to help us with that work and help us to remain safe. It's a very, very, very big idea. It's a very big paradigm in hospitals, in banks, in factories, in automotive, continuous process flow, whatever it is. That's workplace visuality. So today we're going to continue our discussion. We are getting towards the tail end of our discussion of smart placement, which is a part of my approach to 5S. Before we lay down those, what you may call labels and lines, what I call borders and addresses, before we lay them down, we're going to make sure that that which resides in them is in the right place based on its function and based on an accelerated flow. Because, you know, once you establish flow, if you do want to move to tactile pull or to more precise production values, you can do that. But if you have no flow, then you're going to have to find it and establish it before you can move into any higher level of uh, operational excellence. So smart placement is a part of 5S for us. I would encourage you to make it a part of 5S for you. It's a very involving, very interesting, very inventive process that is governed by principles, that is governed by methodologies, so that it isn't just brainstorming what kinds of things can you think of doing to increase the flow or to locate function closer to its point of use things like that, but it's it has a methodology, it has a framework of thinking, and we've been going through that thinking. This is our fifth or sixth show, and I thank you for your emails. You have been gaining, at least you've been writing me that you've been gaining a great deal from it, and I really appreciate that. I think it's terrific. It is something that it, uh, I developed back in the early 90s, and now it is part of what we call work that makes sense, so whether you're doing 5S or not, when you're trying to make sense out of the environment out of the uh, the floor and the bench tops, whether or not that's a nursing station or uh, assembly bench, we use these principles. Okay, I have just a couple of announcements. Uh, again, I want to thank you for your emails. Uh, thank you very much. A couple of you have volunteered to be on our panel of visual implementers, a, a little plan that we have for a show series that would do maybe once a quarter or once maybe once four, every four or five weeks. Two or three people on the show, please get back to us. If you are interested, we're going to be putting those panels together. It really is first come, first serve. You don't have to be qualified in any way other than you're interested. And that you have some conundrums. You have some challenges that you want to have aired. Uh, 
We'll organize them around a topic area. We'll talk to you first. Just send us an email and say, say, count me in. We'll figure out your time zone and we'll make it work. We can always do a pre-record even though we prefer call-in shows. We'll work with you. We want your voice on, on the air with us. We want you to become part of the visual nation. <laughs> The visual world, <laughs> visual earth, welcome, pilgrim, your journey has ended. I also want to uh, tell you the good, good news. I told you that my two of my books have come out on Kindle as of last week, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking, and Work That Makes Sense, but they are now going to be, within a week, they're going to be print-on-demand, and also in Australia, in Japan, in India, in the UK, every place where Amazon has print-on-demand. And we are putting a special price on them. You can order them from the United States as well. We think the price point is going to be instead of $55, $45 or $44 is what I've been told. And I think that's fine. We'll try to drive that price down lower. We want you to be able to access these materials. So please, again, let us hear back from you. I especially want to thank Aurelia Navarro, my great editor, who has now five Shingle Award-winning books that she's been the editor for. She's brilliant, and you can contact her through our email, radio at visualworkplace.com. And also Patrick Tercell, who is the designer and who is the guru of Kindle and print-on-demand. He's been doing an amazing job. He's a graphic designer and a book designer and someone who's very adept at uh, Amazon's Kindle and all other Kindles. Thank you very much. What a fine both of you have been. Uh, one other announcement, and that is we're going to be doing a training of trainers. This just came up in the last few days. It looks as though it's going to be in the wine country at a winery. We still will be, it will still be open to plenty of assembly companies, but it'll be a training of trainers. It'll last about three and a half, four days. We will be sending out an announcement. If you know we don't have your email, then send it to us at radio at visualworkplace.com. We'll put you on our list and make sure you know about this. Okay? So that's the end of our announcements. And again, I want to thank you very much for sending us your emails. It's just wonderful to be in touch with you um, at radio at visualworkplace.com. So let's continue our march through the principles of smart placement. Okay? And as I've mentioned before, we do this as part of our 5S, but if we are not doing 5S or if 5S has already been done and is kind of stalled at neat and clean or even if it's pretty much complete, why not back up and validate the placement, the location of function, validate the location of the benches, the machines, the supplies, the whip, in the hospital, all of the accoutrements of of the medical setting in banks and in offices. It's the same thing. We're locating function. Okay? Function plus location equals flow is the central formula, and we activate that through two maps, what I call our viewing platforms. The first map is the what is map, which we capture in Post-it, in Post-its, that reflects what is the current location of things, where we currently have things placed. And the second is the could be or dream map, which starts out identically, same post-it, same layout. But this is the one where we begin to embed the principles of smart placement, the very ones we're walking through now. Okay? So we begin with easy to make changes. We do that through the first seven principles of um, smart placement, um, 
point of use, nothing on top, nothing on the floor, put it on wheels, etc., etc. And now we're in the second half. Last week we looked at principle eight, which is let the flow do the work. And in the book, Work That Makes Sense, where these these um, principles are captured, and they're also completely explained in our big screen webinar series, which lots of folks, we are happy to say, are using as their training mechanism for training operator-led visuality. We explain that when we get to principle eight, let the flow do the work, we really are expanding our view, our horizon, to not just look at how um, whip is moving or what's on top of a cabinet, what's inside of it, whether or not there are doors or drawers, but really how the whole flow is working. Is there flow in our department? And you know that there's flow simply by working, by watching people and information and material move through the physical landscape. Does it stop? Does it get stalled? Does it pull? Or does it flow? Okay? So, again, as I said at the beginning, once you improve the flow, once you establish flow, pull is an easy next step. And it's one of the outcomes of visuality. I've heard this from lots of very, very strong lean consultants. They will come into a factory that has gone through our process of visuality and they'll say, holy cow, you already have flow in place. This is going to make my work easier. We're going to be able to do other more advanced things because we don't have to work on the flow. The flow is there. And as I said last week, pull is simply flow under demand. Pull is simply flow in time, to the pace of time. This week, we're going to look at principle nine, which is called do major and minor sorts, one of my favorite. And if you didn't understand that language, it's because it's weird language. I also call it sorting the universe, but I'll explain it. That's what the show is for. The second principle we'll do today is principle 10, co-locate items designed to task. Very, very important for all work settings. And principle 11, I think we'll get through that, which is use the existing architecture. It's one of our double-up visual principles where we're doubling up function. Okay? So we're going to go through those. We're also going to be talking about the use of the yellows and minority, minority reports. I'm really thrilled that you're with me today and that we're going through this. I hope that you share these podcasts, which are free on iTunes, with your friends and your colleagues. And maybe some of you are actually training through them. I think they're good enough for that. This is the stuff I do when I'm on site. So there's not much difference except I'm not there and you are. I hope you find it useful. We'll be back in a minute right after the break and pick up there. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. 
Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Hi. And welcome back to part two of our show today on smart placement. We're looking at three principles, principles nine, ten, and eleven. We have then three more to go, uh, which we'll complete in our next show, and then we'll move on, I think, to borders and really do a very, very deep job on it, on um, discovering what borders are for and what their wide, wide range of applicability is. This is the 5S part of the paradigm. And if you do listen carefully, you will find ways to reconfigure, realign, resuscitate your 5S. It doesn't matter whether or not you're stuck right now. What matters is that you can do something about it. You, You will have an opportunity to challenge people's thinking, to challenge their good intelligence and to give them a chance to show you the outstanding thinkers and inventors that they are. This cannot happen unless you provide good knowledge beautifully presented. I'm a very, very big fan of PowerPoint. I don't believe in death by PowerPoint. I do know that there's PowerPoint that is badly designed, but for our visual workplace um, uh, training and education and edification. PowerPoint is fabulous because we can see it. You know, if we had a 3D, that would even be better. We'll work on it. But we can see it. And when we see these pictures, we get the understanding on a level that is so deep, it can hardly be named. But beyond understanding what is before us, what also gets triggered is new thinking. The kind of new thinking that happens in our brain in an unstoppable way when it is stimulated and when it is challenged and when it is helped to understand what it is seeing so that it can use that as a platform to see more, to imagine more, to create solutions that have never existed on the planet before. I've told you time and again that when I do an assessment, I use only two metrics One is the utilization of time for improvement, and the second is the level of weirdness for the visual inventions, the visual devices. I don't want cookie cutter. I don't want uniformity. If I wanted cookie cutter and uniformity, I'd have the engineers lay down uh, the visual wear on the shop floor or in the hospital ward. I want inventiveness, and I want inventiveness that comes from an understanding of 
motion as a symptom of information that is missing. We're moving without working. And when we do smart placement, we understand motion as when the function is in the wrong location. We are forced to move, to move back, to double back, to spend five and a half hour, five and a half miles in one day away from our value field, which as I've told you, Janet Jones tracked, or two hours and 35 minutes, which Buzz, Buzz Alder tracked in the same company, right? Away from their work. So we're going to be going through these three principles. I think we'll have time, but I want to, as we slip into talking about them, I want you to, I want to talk some more about the thinking part. Because when we start moving into the second set of principles, beginning with let the flow do the work, principle eight, we want people to contemplate the whole layout and include in that the so-called yellows. Those things that are, that have been off limits because they are either hard to move, too heavy, bolted in, wired in, dangerous, whatever, needs to be authorized. And we want people to begin to contemplate those yellows, even though they won't have control over the outcome, whether or not it will be approved or not, the thinking itself will stimulate other thinking. And I have several things to say about this, because if you don't get this part straight, you're going to ruin the good work that could have been done by not having the process, the norms in order. So first I want to talk to you about um, the, the yellows are the big ideas. They are the big ideas that uh, we are not allowed to have control over. They belong to someone else. They belong to management. They belong to the maintenance department. You have no control over it if you're an operator. So up until now, we've asked you to leave it alone because we don't want you to get your hopes up. But at some point, you're going to see things. You're going to see through your current layout, wham, bang, and you will create a vision of the future that actually pushes up against those so-called yellows, that which is um, you don't own. So what I want managers to do who are listening is to allow that to happen within certain rules and what I want operators to do or value out associates is thinking think about it but also understand the rules so as you travel deep operators into the logic of your area's current layout that design you will discover I don't doubt compelling opportunities for improvement that are outside of your direct control Management approval will be required. These are exciting ideas, and you know what? Have the ideas, but also understand that you have no control over whether they will be accepted or not. They are indeed out of your control to, co- to command. So while you can, you are going to concentrate on the things you can change safely, easily, and quickly yourselves, small as they may be, those small ideas can quickly stack up and create big changes. A kind of momentum begins to build and works its own magic. But at this point, you're going to be thinking also about the yellows because they'll be irresistible. And what you will hear from management is, we want your ideas, we make no promises. Hmm? 
management will handle the big ideas in a way that will not cause your smart placement implementation to crash and burn because managers and supervisors and engineers, you may not confuse I-driven with open-handed permission. We talked about this last night. If you do, then associates, value-add associates, will get the mistaken impression that just because they thought of it and just because the idea is a fabulous one and it's in the hard-to-move category, it's in the yellows, that it'll be done. And when it isn't done, people are going to be discouraged, angry, resentful. You'll have a mess. So welcome the ideas and make sure people know we will take this under consideration. This looks very promising. Or even if it doesn't look promising, you can certainly say this looks very interesting. We'll get back to you and then make sure you get back to people. You must get back to people and make sure to tell them the real reason why. This is too costly. We're not seeing the cost benefit. We think you can do something that is slightly to the right or the left that will, those other ideas that you have, I think, will create uh, as much benefit or it's too expensive or we're actually going to be moving the whole cell in about a month after, after today. You didn't know about it or whatever. You, as long as you put that boundary in place, okay? So I'm going to say it again. Once you get to principle eight, people, and you'll see this today, some, an extraordinary idea came out that changed a plant entirely that had to do with making a, a major and minor sort. I'll get to that in just a moment. I will also, before the end of today, talk to you about uh, minority reports because that's another big bear. That people aren't going to agree with you, but you've got the, this is operators I'm talking to now, you've got the scent of something great, and you need to have the quiet, and you need to have a map of your own to begin to experiment. And your trainers and the coaches in the room are responsible for setting you up. They'll have to scramble, but that's their problem, not yours. You keep those ideas fresh, and you create minority reports. Let's do principle nine. Let's throw some things into the hopper. Okay? So, you might have read the blurb on this. We talked about piles of things, piles of things as a classic trigger for massive motion. It is. But just because a set of, thing, of things passes the first point of use test, in other words, you put these things at the point of use, we're only going to use them, da- we use them daily or we're only going to use them weekly and therefore you locate them differently. That doesn't mean that it will be easy for you to access the exact thing you need when and as you need it. This is especially true of things that come in many sizes, like in manufacturing, drill bits, inserts, packaging materials, fasteners, needles in the hospital, material types, grades, shapes, and so on and so forth. One of the simplest and most powerful ways to handle lots of things is to determine their subsets or categories. I call it major and minor sorts, but I also call it, I like saying this, sorting the universe or finding the buckets. They all mean the same thing. Find a subset so you can see the difference in things that appear to be identical. The difference in things that appear to be identical, but they are not. Once you see the differences, you'll be able to figure out how to locate them accordingly, smartly. 
Sorting the universe is particularly important when we feel overwhelmed by the amount of stuff by the universe. How can I get my arms around this? How can I handle this? There's simply too much of whatever it is. So here's how you sort. You begin your sorting by noticing what's different about that stuff, about that stuff, that universe, and what's the same about it. For example, what's standard and regular versus what's special and occasional? This will give you your first two categories. It could be this is red and this is blue, or this is round and this is square, this is short and this is this is long. This is heavy, this is light. It could be attributes like that, or it could be related to their function. But you find out how to sort it into two piles. And once you've got the two piles, then you look again and you see if you can derive four piles out of it. Four subsets. And if you can get four subsets, then you work on eight. You know, this is like the bowls that you have, those... um, Nested bowls that we have in the kitchen, they're usually different colors. The idea behind the many colors and the sizes, the step-down sizes of those nested kitchen bowls is that the bowls have the same overall uh, function. Maybe they're fasteners, maybe they're brackets, maybe they're um, packing materials, but The color helps us notice the subcategories and therefore we're able to locate and use them more exactly. We notice the differences, we surface the differences and that's what we're going to be doing in do major and minor sorts. You can do that with inserts, machine inserts. Instead of having them in a huge single tray, you group them in so-called families. You know that idea, you group them in families and then you place them in families. You give them more precise locations, and that will give you faster retrieval, both putting and putting, picking and putting, putting and putting, (laughs) picking and putting. You've sorted the universe of those inserts. And we'll go through two more really, really good examples right after the break. Let's go into our second break, and please come back. We're getting into these practical applications. I'll see you in a moment. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company Gwendolyn galsworth visual workplace expert and award-winning author is available to help you harness and maximize that power with nearly 30 years of hands-on experience dr galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars site assessments total company conversions keynotes coaching and consulting learn about visuality through our books dvds on-demand webinars visual edge learning packages and a host of other teaching materials enroll in the visual lean institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or qmi affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses keep your visual workplace going and growing Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the third part of our show. And we are deeply into our discussion of three smart placement principles, beginning with smart placement principle nine. And remember, all the principles are about the location of function and how to think that through and get some real refinement, real understanding of the function in order for us to place it correctly in our work environment. Principle nine is do major or minor sorts or what I call sort the universe or put it in buckets. Right before the show, we were talking about, right before the break, we were talking about breaking things down so you could see the subcategory, seeing what's the same about the same thing and what's different about the same thing. We're talking about inserts and kitchen bowls. I want to give you an example here in shipping. Uh, uh, an example about the sorting principle. This is at Seton Nameplate. This is a catalog company in Connecticut that ships thousands of ID products every day to locations around the world. But a category called shipments is just too broad for the pack and ship team to handle with precision. So the team sorted the universe and they did it into two major buckets. One bucket was for domestic shipments and the other bucket was for international shipments. That's the way they divided things. And then they adopted a finer focus that sorted through the international category and they did what would be obvious to you as well. They sorted international into countries, Germany, Australia, Canada, right, international. And what they did was they found a place to put the trolley for all of the shipments that went, all of the small packages that were going to Canada, Germany, Australia, and they put a beautiful colored border around it with beautiful address in bold black against a bold yellow background. And around all of the countries, they encircled it with the N, with the outside border. So the outside border was called international. The inside border was each country, major and minor sorts, splendid, crystal clear. Okay? You see, the thinking and the planning happens in smart placement of noticing that and notice that you can accelerate the flow by locating that difference very, very clearly into the landscape of work, into the floor. The last example that I want to share with you on major and minor sorts is on a much larger scale. We are at Scania. They do great engines and cabs in Zwolle, Holland. Holland, that's where they're located. It's a Swedish company with a very, very strong presence in Holland. So Scania is a master of driving out costs. They do it through modularization, standardizing as many vehicle components as possible and then making sub-assemblies that are interchangeable between engine models. Yet the company also has a very strong market for custom-made vehicles. So they have standard vehicles and customized vehicles. 
and they used to be made in the same assembly line in Zwolle. But the the market was increasing, and the Zwolle site needed another 30% capacity for its growing business. And at first, this Scania site was contemplating constructing a second plant. But then it applied the principle of sorting of finding the buckets, and it separated its operations into two buckets. You know what they were? I bet you already know. One bucket was for standardized, highly repetitive vehicles, and the other were was for specialty orders. But they then made that sort into a brilliant nested layout. A layout that they called Castor and Pollux. Castor and Pollux are the name of twins in Greek mythology and they're also a name of a constellation. So they were twin lines, but they were nested. The internal line, U-shaped assembly line, was for customized model. The outside of the U was a second U for their standardized line. So let's imagine the inside U is red, the outside U as green. Green on the outside, red on the inside, tracing approximately the same layout. They would have, they needed a little bit more room for their standardized vehicles. They had heavier orders there and the specialized vehicles were nested within. And you know what happened? They got their 30%. They got their 30%, but on top of that, they enjoyed the added benefit of enabling the same supervisors to oversee both lines in parallel because they were nested. So the supervisor would sit, would be inside the green U and be able to supervise the green U layout and the red layout as well. Fantastic. And this combined with their fabulous use of tools and smart placement and all other ways and high, high application of visuality. They got their 30% and they drove out cost and increased their profit margin. Fabulous. This is a fabulous example of applying the principle of sorting, making major and minor sorts. So I want you to think about that. And when you consider your layout, look at your layout and see if you can make that differentiation. Maybe you can indeed make it in terms of the products that flow through. Or maybe it can be just made on a component level or supply level. But look for ways of making that differentiation. We'll move to principle 10, which initially will look very similar to principle 9, but it isn't. Hear me out. Principle 10 is is co-locating like items. Co-locating like items. And the second part of it is called design to task. Let me explain. Co-location looks like very close to this idea of sorting in buckets, but it isn't. And here's why. Principle 9 is about separating like items based on a differentiation. Principle 10, co-location, is about putting items used for the same task in the same location. We co-locate different items that are used for the same tasks. We don't do this in order to organize them into families as we did a moment ago with inserts and parts, we co-locate in order to have the different items needed for the same task in the same location at point of use co-located. You often see this done 
with dye, where all the dye are co-located along with all of the special tooling and the belts. Okay, this is excellent because all the dye are are in the same location. You can go to one place and draw and all the other uh, components of your changeover. A dimension, a next level of this principle of co-location is what we call design to task. It's going to morph just a tiny bit. We focus squarely on co-location for a precise activity. And in a manner of speaking, we kit. For example... We might have a box. We might be doing electrical wiring for a frame. Maybe it's for a chassis. And we put all of the things that we need, the items that we need for putting in that electric wiring into a kit. We'll have the clips. We'll have the tools. We'll have perhaps a a can of oxygen. H2, uh, oxygen, O2, oh, forgive me, I'm not a chemist, oxygen that we blow, you know, blow air, an air can. <laughs> I'm embarrassing myself again. Mm, for fastening harnesses, maybe we'll even put the kit on wheels so that we can roll around the chassis and have everything we need. Instead of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, we're bringing it along with us. The aerospace industry has really set the pace on this, especially Lockheed Martin, LM Aero. They use the design-to-task principle when I was working with them at Fort Worth in the most amazing way. Up until they discovered design-to-task, parts were set or stuffed into plastic bags and then delivered. And the bags were often missing parts or parts would get damaged in transport. But then the team devised, this is an aerospace team, a series of stiff foam delivery boxes, and each box held all the components for a specific, very specific, exact subassembly. The system actually is com- comprised of four elements. If you want to do it, this is what you think of. The assembly parts is one. The carrying box is another. Stiff foam is another. It's an insert that will be the size of the carrying box and a heavy stencil paper that will be the same size as the top surface of the box. So what you do is you lay the parts out so that they fit on the stencil paper. You're using smart placement to create a parts profile and you trace it. And then you tape the ends of this stencil paper down on the foam and you cut out the shape and you're cutting out the foam as well. So you're cutting out the paper and you're cutting out the foam. You've left a little home for each of those particular parts. And then finally you insert that foam into the box and the box is ready for to be filled up and delivered. This is fabulous because then you're carrying everything and you can see at a glance that everything is there or as importantly everything is not there. And you know what happened after Lockheed Martin started using this? Someone had the bright idea of enlarging the use of that box so that special tools would be included as well. So you would get all the parts plus the tools that are specific for the assembly of that of what's in that box. That's fantastic. This became a visual best practice across all seven El Amero sites and became 
especially important in areas where there was the opportunity or the danger of foreign object damage, FOD. Okay, very, very important secondary functions. Wonderful. And a variation is toolboxes. I saw this at Parker Hannafin, and I tell you, it blew my mind. Parker Hannafin in Irvine, California, they won our Visual Workplace Prize uh, last year. They are in overall and repair, and they don't know what's going to come through. They've got to be ready, and they have their tools ready because they're all about precision, time, speed. And so they have these toolboxes. And you'll see these toolboxes. They're the blue boxes that are lined in yellow so you can see at a glance when something is missing. And you'll see two mallets sitting right next to each other in two different boxes. And you'll get immediately, oh, my goodness, those are two different mallets because one weight is needed for one assembly process and the other is needed for another. And it's all there. The exact mallet based on its weight is all there at point of use in the box ready to go. Fantastic. Think about this, please. Think about And, you know, if you're worried about tool redundancy, please, there is more time wasted on looking for a single missing tool that will stop an assembly process or a changeover process or any kind of tool-based process in its tracks. So don't worry about tool redundancy. Worry about tool availability, okay? And, by the way, there's also some new kind of foam that you uh, can get that doesn't deteriorate. It's called HDPE, high-density polyethylene. You can get it from the 5S store. I know for sure they're based in New England, the 5S store. Very, very nice, especially in anti-FOD areas. They don't deteriorate. They don't particulate. So we'll pick up a second application of design to task and then move on to principle 11 right after we come back from the next break. See you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 
472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. We're in our last segment of our show on three more of the principles of smart placement. We just have uh, almost completed principle 10, co-locate items designed to task. We've already done do major and minor sorts, sort the universe, put it in buckets. Before I complete with a design to task, I want to say to the trainers amongst you, trainers, these are powerful principles, and you will love the way your operators respond to them, especially if you can show them examples. You can come to us for those examples, or you can find examples in your own world. But here's the thing. This training process and application process only works if you've done your homework. If you have gone out to those areas where people are going to come in from the next day and you've gone out to those areas areas, and you have found the applications, you have found them, you know that they're there and you have decided what is the minimum that you will accept as people's contribution. By going out there and finding these principles alive, the opportunities the opportunities are alive there in their work area, you are now in a position to coach them. Otherwise, it's going to be one of those things where you just invite operators in and you hope that they have a bright idea. You hope that you've done a good enough job teaching that they will get what you're saying. That's very, very different than you're going out and finding the applications and knowing when they get stuck where you can give them some hints, some guidance, some coaching. I have many, many times in smart placements say, seeing people say, we don't have anything to do. And I, I've gone out there the day before, sometimes two days before, but certainly the day before, and I found the opportunities and I'll say, you know what? That's not good enough. There are opportunities out there and I have seen them and I want you to find them. So I do things like saying, I'm going to come back in about six minutes and I want every post-it on your could-be map to be in a different location. I just want everything to change. I need you to break your paradigm of saying the current location is going to be the future location because you know what? It's good enough now. There are opportunities in these principles that I'm teaching you that will give you a completely different sense of flow, completeness, speed, quality, connectivity, alignment. And our job is to find them here as our thinking homework right here in this room. My job is to make sure you do. So I'm going to get really, really growly. I want everything changed. And you know what? This is, again, you use your personality. You make sure you're charming. But you also make sure you're you're firm. You're firm in your belief that people can think and that they can invent. And they will believe you and exceed what you're expecting. Exceed it entirely. They'll come up. These ideas were not invented by me. They were found by me. They were found by me in the 80s and the 90s, and I derived principles from them so that I could teach other people to think the way someone had thought before. I turned them into a framework of thinking. That's been my joy and my job. It's so great. But I'll be darned if I'm going to let people get away with just saying it's good enough. 
I get growly. And, 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 you know, we'll talk about it some more next week. I do other things, but it's basically charming or growly. Either way, I make sure that people like me early on and then I can get growly. They're still going to like me. They're going to like me. I'm charming. You know, and I do it by design. <laughs> I also enjoy it. Let me tell you about another great design to task application. This is ingenious. It was again at Lockheed Martin and it was a motion buster of the first order because of the brilliant location of function. It was called the six pack because it had six preset pneumatic drills in the bottom. This was a Cree-form stand specially constructed for a particular assembly. At the top was this assembly box that I told you about before with the tools and the parts in it and these six preset pneumatic drills were sitting below so that there was no changeover in terms of, and there was no looking for the right bit, the right insert. They were all preset. There were also three PSI meters underneath, pounds per square inch to adjust, uh, to, to reduce the motion that we call adjustments. Okay, beautiful, designed to task. The whole little cart was for that specific assembly task. Amazing. They went even further at Lockheed Martin and especially uh, at uh, their Skunk Works in Palmdale. Unbelievable. They had benches that that incorporate $100,000 worth of thinking. Let me move on to the next principle, otherwise you'll holler about my being too slow. Principle 11, use the existing architecture. Here's the thought. Buying stuff for the company is just like buying stuff for your home. Things cost money, and buying one thing usually means you're going to have to forego another purchase. That's why making one thing serve two function functions means you're going to save money on two fronts. You don't have to buy the second thing and you don't need to find additional space or real estate or use up the existing real estate to accommodate the new thing. Great money saver. Use the existing architecture is a doubling up principle and we have many of them in visuality. That simply means you attach one function to another in this case. That's what use the existing architecture is. You locate an additional function on a structure that has an existing function. Simple example is an I-beam. We're going to maximize the use of the I-beam by putting on an air hose, affixing it to the I-beam. We've got a doubled-up function. We're going to get mileage out of that I-beam by fastening an air hose reel on it. It doesn't subtract from the, the beam's first function, right? And then look at all the space we saved. Because the reel is airborne, we're not giving up valuable real estate on the floor, no footprint. Okay? This is a powerful principle that has a range of uses. And it should be part of your smart placement thinking. Even the end cap of your tall shelves. Use them for something. In one case, at Seton Nameplate, they used it for a bulletin board. They used it to store their hard hats. They used it for mail pickup. They put a little shelf there between the yellow barricade and the shelf itself. They're doubling up. Frank Mulder, who used to be in charge of material handling at Royal Notobomb Trailers, he decided he wanted to be a forklift driver. Instead, if you've ever been in charge of material handling for stores, you'll understand his choice. Well, he was an ace visual thinker. And, and he made his forklift do everything. 
He fastened a red paper bin onto the forklift door that already had a function. Now he put the paperwork function there. He kept his schedule. He, t- he taped it to the, uh, the windows itself. He wrote notes and reminders on his side windows, and he marked his route on the windshield at the exact point of use. Right? He's using an architecture that already exists for something else. You can use the inside of doors of a tool cabinet. The doors function to, to close, to protect or whatever, but the inside of the doors are usually blank. Put some tools there. Give them a second purpose. One door can hold metric wrenches. The other door can hold Allen wrenches. So compact. Use the back of benches. For example, you can um, put crane belts on the back of benches and not interfering with the slide in the slightest with the function of the bench itself. So that's principle 11. That's using the exact the existing architecture. I want you to think about these three principles. Find ways to use them. Do major and minor sorts. Sort the universe. Co-locate items. Design to task. And use the existing architecture. Those are three powerful principles of smart placement. We'll do the next three and the last three, I should say, in our next show. And we'll also talk about the change charts and some of the other things you need to consider as you move this into a true change process. This is wonderful, wonderful opportunity for thinking, for being very systematic, and for coming up with ways to accelerate the flow by the intentional location of function based on your bright brain and the bright brains of the people around you. I've had a wonderful time with you today. I really have, and I look forward to the next time. Please listen to the the podcast. They're all very good, and keep those emails coming. I love them. Thank you very much. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And you know what? I'm signing off. (laughs) Bye-bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.